0: Welcome to the Animal Voices Show, Western Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy. And Compassionate Living. This is 100.5 FM Co-op Radio CFRO on Unceded and Ancestral sail- Sawatuth, Musqueam, and Squamish Territories in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Today is Friday, September 2nd. I'm your host, Jen Dobell. Welcome back to another live show.
2: And I'm your host, Allison Cole. Don't forget about me. Oh, I forgot to introduce you. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to not have to host a show, by the way. She's so just here to push I'm, the buttons. Yes. No. <laughs> and say some words. <laughs> <laughs> on today's show, any keeping
0: theme with our shows over the past few weeks, we will be revisiting the issue of our friends and fellow animal rights activists who've been in court regarding mischief and break and enter charges relating to an event called Meet the Victims that took place three and a half years ago at Excelsior Hog Farm in Abbotsford. Meet the Victims is an event that takes place around the world and that's meat spelled M-E-A-T as in meet your meat. Typically the way this event takes place is animal rights activists gain entry into farms always wearing full biosecurity gear to protect the animals with the intention of exposing what's going on inside. This is done to gain media attention and for the activists to use their own recording devices to show the world what happens needlessly for palatary pleasure. These events are always involving a peaceful sit-in with activists who voluntarily leave after a set amount of time, usually after a media tour is granted. In this case, the activists wanted a media tour at a specific farm because a recent undercover video had been exposed from this facility showing horrible animal cruelty. Not only did it show perfectly legal Canadian standard cruelty, but also some extreme and unnecessary violence, such as cutting off the tails and testicles of piglets without any painkiller and kicking the pigs. There's, There's more. You can check it out. It. uh, What is the website again, Allison? Exc-
2: Excelsior4.org. Right. That's the number for Excelsior4.org. Thank you. Check out the videos there
0: anyway uh... the the video showed pigs with tumors and growth the size of grapefruits mother pigs were confined in crates the size of their bodies so tightly they could not turn around surrounded by metal bars and only able to stare at whatever was right in front of them this is legal though by the way uh... not okay they showed signs of stereotypy which is a repetitive motion signaling insanity often seen in animals who are confined in situations such as zoos or elephants who are chained up waiting for the next customer who wants a ride Allison, you were there three and a half years ago. You went inside the barn. So, can you please give our listeners an idea of what that experience was like for you?
2: For sure. And for people who want a more in-depth experience, I also invite you to listen to our show that we produced, which was the Friday right after that happened. So that event happened on uh, April 28th, 2019. And I believe our show was on May the 5th. You can find that at animalvoices.org. So what I can remember is, yes, we um, we ent- we forcibly entered the building. And f- the first thing I remember is it was, it was just like pitch black inside. And I could see all of these eyes um, lit up eyes they were little pigs piglets basically a couple months old and they were all kind of swarming around our legs and uh, and so we were like in an open area of where they were and I was following everyone so we went down this hallway and I described this building as is like a a house of horrors if you remember ever going to something like that at Disneyland or the peony and just you never knew what was going to come up next it was a house of horrors for thousands and thousands of pigs that lived in that barn and that is that's just one barn of several and i remember going down the hallway there It was dark and murky and passing more eyes i uh, just just many many pens of, of small pigs small pigs and then finally we turned the corner and um, and then turned right into this room known as the gestation room or the birthing room and this room had about 200 pigs inside who were mother pigs or expecting moms who were going to be as I've learned a lot more from the trial they're waiting to be um, artificially impregnated by the farmers and uh, and so they stay in their for some time then they get checked to see if they're pregnant and the duration inside this place is um, I, I can't quite remember now from what they said in trial something to the effect of um, they're kept at least for five weeks to see or three to five weeks to see if they're pregnant and so that's their life in there and that's the life that the six hours basically that we stayed in there when there are conditions such as um, m- all these mother pigs were in very small confined what are known as gestation crates they're crates that you cannot you can barely stand up and sit down in for these pigs because they have wounds all over their bodies from pressure sores, from being pressed against the iron bars because they're so tightly enclosed so it's a real hassle for them to be able to lift up all their weight or to sit down, they're mostly lying down, Um, they're pressing their bodies upon the iron, they're unable to turn around at all they are defecating and urinating right on the spot so we're in there with our biohazard security suits on but we we completely recovered in feces, and pneumonia, ammonia permeated mm-hmm. the air, and their open wounds would have been in that as well. And I'm yeah. pointing this out
0: because activists are criticized for bringing in uh, potential biosecurity issues when it is a biosecurity issue that entire place.
2: Yeah, the when whole they've got their open oh, wounds in their own feces. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So, yeah, you should go back and listen to our shows about this. We've talked about it a lot with uh, the Excelsior Four: Amy Serrano, Nick Schaefer, Roy Sano, and Jeff Gear, who were Um, I mean, there were 50 of us who were arrested, but the four of them were made examples of and they were charged. So that brings us to what we're speaking about today. Mm
0: -hmm. And so over the summer, you and I... Uh, had an opportunity to witness a lot of the trial Mm -hmm. uh, whatever we could get out there for uh, to Abbotsford uh, between work shifts and you were actually there for the sentencing date August 26th and And the reason we're having our show today on uh, this issue is because Amy Serrano one of the activists uh, charged was unable to give her full 30-minute speech that she wanted to give in the courtroom so today we're giving her an opportunity to um, tell us why she did what she did, as well as uh, her partner, Nick, is all going to be on today as well, giving his speech. And Allison, I heard that everybody in the room was in tears from this.
2: Yes, but just leading up to that, I want to just um, just clarify that of the Excelsior 4, Jeff's charges were dropped in the pretrial because they were, it, it was realized like that they were, unfounded. They should have been dropped a long time ago. Mm -hmm. All of Roy was acquitted as well during the trial. So that, um, but the jury, it was a jury led trial, they decided that Nick and, uh, and Amy were found to be guilty of breaking enter and mischief mm-hmm. so there's a lot about that that we can speak about and we have in our previous shows please have a listen at animalvoices.org just search uh, Abbotsford or Excelsior or meet, for, the victims. meet the victims yeah we have a lot of excellent content there so it came down to their sentencing date last week and they were going to be uh, it, it was a whole I thought you might just walk in and they would be sentenced but no it was a whole day it was a whole process and part of it was is that the accused? They get to say they get to have their say. So Nick had his say; he had his closing statement, and Amy was not able to. So maybe um, did you want to hear Nick's statement first?
0: We're going to start yeah. with Nick's only because of the timing of our show. Here, we do need to put in a little something in the middle of it. So we'll go ahead with that, and then we'll follow
1: up with Amy. Mr. Justice, I understand that I'm here today to be sentenced on counts involving break and enter at Excelsior Hog Farm. I fully stand before the court, ready to receive sentencing in regards to just that. I must say, however, I stand before you confused. Confused not because of my lack of understanding of the justice system, that I fully understand. I stand here confused how we as a collective have stopped caring for the future of this planet, the survival of future generations, and how we have managed to turn a blind eye to the mass amounts of needless, endless suffering we are inflicting on the most gentle creatures on this earth. I'm not confused as to why I'm standing here before you today. For that, I am well aware. I am confused at the endeavour I have embarked on of trying to better the community, the planet and its inhabitants in a peaceful, gentle manner Is the matter of importance in a world that seems to break more and more with each passing day looking back i grew up in what can be considered a very typical canadian family my parents who are still together both grew up in saskatchewan and in fact when i was a child i used to go to my auntie's house and help my grandfather slaughter their chickens i was born in langley and I grew up in an upper middle class family, attended private school in Cloverdale until we moved to Kelowna when I was in grade five. I then continued in private school until graduation, enjoying playing lacrosse, rugby, basketball, and spending all of my winters up on the ski hill. We moved because my father had been offered the position of owner operator of the McDonald's restaurants in Kelowna. So as you can imagine your justice, I did not grow up as a vegan, vegetarian, or plant-based eater my entire life. In fact, I spent most of my life mocking vegans and packing back as many chicken wings as I could on a Wednesday night. You see, the person standing in front of you today, reading this statement, isn't some fanatical, fringe-of-society anarchist that just wants to watch the world burn. Quite the contrary. I want to see a world of peace and acceptance. Who I am today is a result of extensive learning, unlearning, growing, caring, and compassion for life. All life. After graduating high school, I went into the auto body trade and I graduated from my first year. I then took a job in the industry and worked for the same company relentlessly for 11 years. During this time, I was also crafting my skills as a photographer and filmmaker as moving people with art is something that I've always had a deep passion for. In 2012, I met the most incredible human I have ever met in my life. She was driven, ambitious, and you could just tell by her presence that her purpose on this earth was to one day make it a better place. She deeply cared for others, far more than she cared for herself made me a better person, and to this day continues to do just that. Above all else, she wanted nothing more than for this world to be a little more peaceful, kind, and compassionate. That person also stands before the court here today. If love, kindness, and compassion were a human your justice, Amy would be that human. Soon after we met, In 2013, Amy felt very, very ill. She went through weeks of treatment in the hospital and has continued to undergo weeks and months in multiple hospitals across Canada and the United States. With all the tests, procedures, pokes, prods, and a life of daily pain and suffering, we still have no treatment or symptom management for her multiple diagnoses. In 2016, Amy wanted to try and see if eating a plant-based diet for a few months would help. So we started looking into it and I decided to join along in the endeavor. After a few weeks, I started feeling incredible all around. We started this journey as vegans really for our own individual health benefits. But of course, that led us into trying to understand a little bit more about what surrounded this entire movement. We watched a few documentaries and came across one called Cowspiracy and one called Earthlings. And I really started to get a deeper understanding of the impact the animal agriculture industry has on the planet and the state of this world. Even driving through places like Abbotsford and Chilliwack, I began to think about the fact that I know there are millions of animals around here, yet why can you see almost none? What does that truly mean about the processing of these animals? What does that mean about the lives these animals must live? The more I studied, the more I learned. The more I learned, the more horrified I became with what the standard legal practices are for confining and raising animals. I was horrified to find out that baby cows are ripped away from their mothers at birth. Breeding sows. Mothers spend the majority of their lives in cages so small, they can't even turn around to see their young. I was further horrified to find out when reading manuals for the standard industry practices, as well as other reporting, that baby pigs have their tails chopped off and their testicles ripped out. That if a piglet is too small or sick to survive, you can destroy them by smashing their heads into the ground a legal standard practice called thumping. Over the course of my learning, I also discovered that in the egg industry, male chicks are deemed useless, so they are ground up alive in what can essentially be described as a giant blender. And in the poultry industry, chickens and turkeys have their beak tips and the end of their toes sliced off. After coming to learn all that I have, I could conclude nothing more than that the standard practices of these industries are the unequivocal definition of animal abuse on a scale so large it is almost impossible to fathom. Furthermore, I became more disturbed over how much damage animal agriculture as a whole is doing to our planet, and the more saddened I became for every animal who is forced to endure such a painful, meaningless life. And for what? Gone are the days of old McDonald's farm. I realize that modern day farming is nothing more than a commercialized industrial complex just churning and churning, chewing up and spitting out animals by the billions, every single year, with no regard for the suffering they endure, no regard for their lives, and no regard for the damage it is doing to this planet. Above all this, one of the most shocking things to think about is what I learned about transparency. How these industries are essentially self-regulated. There is effectively no one checking in on them to make sure that the animals are treated right, and no one looking over their shoulder to make sure they are following the rules. We have come to learn that even if there is an inspection on one of these farms, they are given advance notice with plenty of time to clean things up. You will never catch cruelty in the act if the abuser is advised you are watching. I have realized that the public does not have the right to know what is happening inside these farms on a daily basis due to the way the system is set up. And on a daily basis, there is immense suffering. On the day of Meet the Victims, I never wish to cause any harm to the farmers themselves. I had no anger or frustration towards them. I understand that this is the world they grew up in, and I believe that they believe what they are doing is right, and I can't, and I do not fault them for that. However, I do believe that the average person would find what is happening inside Excelsior Hog Farm inherently cruel. These animals are suffering. They are being tortured and mutilated, and every single one of them Will eventually be killed. The public should have a right to know what this system truly looks like. Mr. Justice, I don't want to see the world burn. I don't want to see people hurt or suffer and that includes the farmers and their families. On that day, if we did or if we had no respect for the family that resides on that property, we would have conducted ourselves in a very different manner. We, however, did not. You heard firsthand from all the officers on scene that we were calm, peaceful, respectful, and took every precaution that we possibly could to make sure that everyone was safe and unharmed. We are a peaceful, caring group that just simply wants to assist in ending needless suffering. On that day, I saw my importance as a documentarian. I knew the weight this would hold if the public could see the true, raw reality of what the inside of a factory farm really looks like. I knew that with my art, I could hopefully take the stories of those suffering animals, display their pain, and convey it to the world so that perhaps, just maybe, we could extend a little more compassion to those who so desperately need it. A little more compassion to the ones behind those walls, still suffering to this day. To the ones who have been bred into a life of misery, never to see the light of day or breathe the fresh air that nature intended for them. And to the ones who will be killed, dismembered, and cut up into tiny little pieces for no justifiable reason. You see, We can live without doing what we are doing to animals, and we can thrive. I just don't understand how so many of us are choosing not to. In a world where nobody wants to see an animal suffer, why do we continue to perpetuate a system that is built on it? I assume that even you yourself doesn't want to see an animal in pain or distress. And maybe that is truly the reason that we stand here before you today. Not because we don't want to see an animal suffer, but because these industries do not want you to see the suffering that they inflict. The suffering that they deem normal, natural, and necessary. Of course, I would love to see an end to animal agriculture. And I understand that this is not an overnight process. But the science and data clearly shows that transitioning this world to one without factory farms is by far the most effective thing we can do to combat global climate change and actually save this planet for future generations. If we as a collective do not wake up and start to vastly overhaul this system, it will be the death of our species and it will be the death of our planet. But we are running out of time. And when we see that time is running out, we can't just sit back idly and wait. If you care about the kind of world that is left for your children and your children's children, I hope that you would agree. After all this is said and done, Mr. Justice, I want to continue to use my art to document matters that relate to a better planet for you, for us, for our children and our grandchildren. Whether in Canada or abroad, I want to help change this world from the downward spiral that we are in to one that will be around for another million years. See, I do not place my value on being another rat in the rat race, simply floating through life to make money and show people the things that I have acquired. I want my value to stand on the shoulders of change. To know that I have done my best to leave this world just a little bit better than how I found it. To leave it with a little less anguish and a little more compassion. We can't take our bank accounts to the grave, but we can leave a lasting mark on this earth that will last a lifetime. I do not want to die knowing that we went through this life watching the world start to crumble and did absolutely nothing to turn it around Nothing to try and save it. I don't want to know that our grandchildren may very well be living through the last days of humanity. Through drought, famine, pestilence, and war. And if you look around, you will clearly see that is all happening now. And not just happening, but accelerating. Things need to change. As Mother Teresa said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone into the waters and create many, many ripples. And Mr. Justice, I hope that the ripples I make leave this world asking the question, how can I impact this world to make it just a little bit better for everyone else?
2: That was Nick Schaefer's closing statement at the sentencing of the Excelsior 4 end of trial last Friday, August the 26th. This is Animal Voices that you're listening to on 100.5 FM Vancouver Co-op Radio. Stay tuned next for Amy Serrano's closing statement, but first some words from the station.
0: (laughs) is your big chance so don't blow it we're here to present the cutting edge radio you want to hear what about a program featuring just local Vancouver bands no market for that we have an expert on gospel music no our public affairs programs dig deep with voices other stations won't touch no programs with first
1: nations hosts sorry no market for that
0: we've got a lot of shows in other languages for people all over the world folk music (laughs) you're kidding right
2: Who would sponsor that?
0: Can't make big bucks with programs people want to hear? You have to go to Co-op Radio for that. Community-owned radio. Now at 100.5 FM, the switch is on.
1: Greater Vancouver Food Bank has been providing support for our cities for almost 40 years and has been vital to helping thousands of community members through the COVID-19 crisis. To find out how you might benefit from the Greater Vancouver Food Bank's services or to learn how you might donate money or volunteer your time, please visit their website at foodbank.bc.ca.
2: We are back here on the Animal Voices radio show listening to the accused uh, Nick Schafer's and Amy Serrano's closing statements from their sentencing date last Friday, August the 26th. And the main reason we are playing these statements on the show today is because Nick's, uh, Nick's statement, as you just heard, we all heard that in the courtroom, it was a great speech, and then it was... It was shortly time after that for Amy's Amy to give her closing statement, and from what Amy was told, and from what we know of in the judicial system, any closing statement can be anything that you want it to be. And uh, Amy had a, I'm sure it's a great statement. We're going to hear it now. (laughs) She had a 30 minute statement ready to go, and she was actually cut off by the judge after about three minutes of speaking. He said she started to speak about what her experiences were like in the Excelsior hog farm because she has that right. And that was going to be part of her storytelling of what motivated her, which is what the judge wanted to hear. And it was also similar to what Nick had said and he had been allowed to say these words. But the judge cut cut Amy off and told her that he wasn't interested in hearing about her experiences she had a little back and forth with him saying well i i think if you listen to me you'll you'll be able to hear it'll all come around and you'll understand what my motivations were and the judge didn't like that amy's lawyer and she kind of went off in the corner for a little bit to try to i think they're trying to find some parts of the of the speech that would not be deemed as irrelevant to the judge, but really that, uh, as we heard later, this is the only time that um, that lawyers and people who have gone through this process before in, in court have ever seen... a uh, a person's an accused closing statement be censored and not allowed to go so what happened ultimately is amy said that's it she just withdrew and she wasn't allowed to give her statement
0: you know i found the judge throughout the trial to be extremely stern and yeah. often stopping either the lawyers or you know the accused from speaking about things that i thought were relevant and i know from other very similar trials was something that judges allowed um, conversation to go on about. and i'm I'm specifically referring to um, Anita Crines when she was charged with giving water to thirsty pigs through the holes right. of the slaughter truck in Toronto, Ontario uh, a few years ago. Um basically, that judge allowed the entire meat industry to be put on trial, which even if you ask me as an activist who should be biased, mm-hmm. uh, that had nothing to do with the charges, which was tampering with property. But it was all relevant because she wanted to explain why she did it, and here's what the meat industry does. And and in this case, I find it even more relevant. I mean, I don't it think it was relevant in, in Anita's case, but in this case, absolutely it was relevant.
2: Right. So we're going to be hearing that, as we said, that speech was censored, but right now here on Co-op Radio, and you're going to be able to listen to this after on animalvoices.org and Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Here is Amy Serrano's closing statement.
3: Your Justice, I would like to use this time for you to hear from me personally as to why I did what I did. While I may not be able to apologize for my actions, I would like to apologize to the animals. I acknowledge that you deemed the evidence of animals in this case irrelevant, but the animals are what brought us here. I also acknowledge that you didn't want this case becoming political but I am here because I am a political activist. Throughout this trial, we have talked about evidence, witnesses, and criminal codes. What we haven't talked about until today is who I am and what brought me here. Activists in general can often be disregarded as radical and painted with a similar brush, but I implore you to consider me as an individual, an individual who is informed, An individual who has attempted many avenues of resolution prior to April 28, 2019. And an individual who cares deeply, with my whole heart. I was always a bit of an activist, even when I was a child. But as a shy young girl, the last thing I ever wanted to be when I grew up was someone who was an annoyance or a troublemaker. And yet, here I am in the BC Supreme Court. Some wonder why I care so much, but I wonder how anyone couldn't care. Even my own family, when shown horrific footage of animals, some of them simply shrugged and went on with their lives, despite being caring and kind-hearted people. I just don't get it. My previous understanding of the world, you could say my mental model, was also that this is just the way things are, period, no question. But when I learned about all the ways in which we exploit and kill animals, and the cruelties that take place in order for animals to become food, fabric, test subjects, and objects for our entertainment, I was shocked and humbled. It flipped a switch in my mind that completely altered my view of this world, and I couldn't understand why that wasn't happening for everyone else. The urgency I felt was like seeing puppies drowning in a pool as I'm desperately trying to pull them out, and those around me are just throwing them back in. The sense of urgency never left me. So I did a deep dive into the animal agriculture industry and discovered the mass scale and secrecy that ensures the atrocities to animals are hidden. Like how chickens have their beaks cut off and are crammed in cages stacked from floor to ceiling how cows on dairy farms are inseminated over and over again just to have their calves dragged from their crying mother. Or turkeys who live in such distressing environments that it causes them to uncharacteristically attack each other. The industry solution to this is to cut off their toes, not just their nails, the entire ends of their toes. Or what about those fluffy yellow baby chicks The boys are sent down a conveyor belt that drops them in churning blades that blends their bodies to death simply because they can't lay eggs. And then there's the pigs. Do you know how most of them die? They are crammed in metal chambers and lowered into gas chambers that burn their internal organs, causing them to frantically thrash against each other, sometimes even breaking their own limbs. What are we doing? I had no idea that this is what happens to farmed animals, and it was clear I wasn't alone in that. So I knew I had to do something to expose these atrocities in an effort to help end it. And that's exactly the reason that I'm here today. Tragically, what I've now seen in person seems almost worse. I would like to share with you what we discovered at Excelsior Hog Farm. Walking into Excelsior felt like walking into a dungeon. It was pitch black damp and disgusting. The air was filled with visible particles that made us cough and cobwebs hung from every corner. As our eyes were adjusting to the darkness, the sounds of distressed pigs and smells of ammonia was an assault to the system. Then suddenly, we saw the countless glossy eyes of pigs peering at us with desperation and curiosity. What it's like to be there, in person, is not something that can be sufficiently translated through video footage or even adequately articulated. As humans, we can pick up on the emotions that others are feeling. You may be sensing what I'm feeling right now. And I feel that is the same with animals. I can certainly sense when my dogs are upset. When entering Excelsior Hog Farm, the immediate feeling of desperation and pain coming from those pigs was palpable and heartbreaking. As we saw in my live stream during trial, pregnant or soon to be pregnant female pigs at Excelsior Hog Farm are crammed inside metal crates where they can't take more than one step forward or backwards. These pigs can't even turn around or move. They can't so much as turn their heads to look around. All they can do is stare at whatever happens to be in front of them, and for some, that means a cement wall. I can't possibly imagine the physical and psychological torment of living that life. It's not a life at all. There's nothing in there that makes life worth living, but they have no choice. I would like to add that we saw many pigs exhibiting severe signs of mental distress, like repeatedly bashing their heads back and forth over and over again. The offspring of these mothers are kept in crowded pens full of thousands of adolescent pigs. We saw many who were suffering from volleyball-sized hernias, bloody lacerations, and golf ball-sized growths. Some couldn't even walk, so they languished and slowly died. Dead pigs were found rotting in pens, with other live pigs eating their dead bodies. We saw piglets convulsing on the ground with their eyes glazed over. Other piglets, who had already died, were stacked in piles. I would like to apologize to a specific female pig at Excelsior Hog Farm who we have come to call her rather than the abstract number Take to her ear. She was found crammed in a metal cage like the countless others next to her, but what stood out as different was the dark blue and purple complexion to her skin. Upon closer examination, we realized that she was covered in bruises, cuts, and blood. In fact, she was laying in a pool of her own blood, not a few splatters of blood, a pool. She desperately and longingly made eye contact with her bright golden brown eyes, but she didn't move. Something I find hauntingly compelling about pigs are their human-like eyes and profound eye contact. Aside from the visible blood and bruises, she was clearly communicating desperation as she laid there shivering for hours. She needed help. I felt like, and I still feel like, a monster. For seeing her, recognizing her unbelievable suffering and leaving her behind. I wish more than anything that we could have rushed her to the vet and helped her, but we had no choice. Leaving the barn with her was simply not possible. Imagine seeing a dog laying in a pool of their own blood Beaten and bruised. Then imagine walking away. To me, walking away is what felt criminal. A photo of this pig has been blown up onto a large banner with the words justice for her. This banner has been held outside of the courthouse throughout this trial as a reminder of why we are here and who the real victims of this circumstance are. It's not the Benedicts. It's not us. It's her and the other animals who were hit, kicked, electrocuted, mutilated, and confined in cages within the concrete walls of Excelsior and other animal farms. How many, just like her, go unseen and unheard in farms every single day? I can say with absolute certainty that spending any amount of time inside a commercial animal farm is not something I would ever want to do unless I absolutely had to. But apparently, expose after expose of violence and abuse towards farmed animals in this province isn't enough. Unfortunately, it was necessary to take more bold actions to get society to stop and listen and watch and prompt change for these animals. I accept and take responsibility for my actions while also recognizing that without actions like these, the animals remain hidden with practically zero protections. As we saw in this case, farmed animals are abused with impunity. Even when they do break the few existing animal cruelty laws, the enforcement is practically non-existent. I would hope, in this room especially, that having an entire industry systemically breaking their own laws and having no oversight or adequate enforcement would be of extreme concern. The laws for farmed animals in BC are minuscule, but those archaic and insufficient laws at the very least should be upheld. I care about the animals and their unnecessary suffering. I also care about people and the planet we all live on." So besides the animals themselves, here are five other considerations. Firstly, animal agriculture as we know it is unsustainable and the leading cause of pollution, topsoil erosion, water consumption, and is the primary driver of virtually every other environmental issue. Secondly. The consumption of animals is directly linked to the leading causes of death in humans, such as heart disease and cancers. In fact, the World Health Organization has classified processed meat, like bacon, sausage and ham, as a class 1 carcinogen. Next is the issue of public health concerns. Commercial farms and slaughterhouses are breeding grounds for infectious disease outbreaks, like the new variants of swine flu emerging on farms in Canada. And the avian flu that continues to evolve and spread across our country, ripping through chicken, turkey, and duck farms, and now impacting wild birds. The Center for Disease Control says three out of every four new infectious diseases in humans come from animals. Which leads to my next point, that we pump farm animals full of antibiotics to try and keep infectious diseases at bay. But now we're experiencing an even scarier issue of antibiotic-resistant superbugs. Lastly, it's worth acknowledging that farm and slaughterhouse workers are exposed to a level of violence that most humans never experience. As a result, they frequently suffer high rates of PTSD, substance abuse, and suicide. Given this, it's no surprise that criminologists have found that local crime rates go up significantly especially violent crimes, wherever and whenever slaughterhouses open. In a twist of irony, many prisons have factory farms and slaughterhouses on site where inmates work, further perpetuating violent acts. I mention these points to demonstrate that there are so many issues at play here. Human rights, animal rights, environmental concerns, and significant public health risks And what is at the center of all of this? Animal farming. Our food system and its involvement of animals is no longer working. It's broken. It's beyond broken. I don't wanna come across as over-exaggerating, but there's truly no more accurate summary than to state that modern industrial animal farming is killing us all. Will humanity continue to edge towards a dangerous precipice Or will we take a crucial step towards what is right? What is sustainable? What protects animals and us as citizens? And what is imperative for our collective survival before the planet becomes unlivable? Last year, this very city flooded, wiping out entire businesses, homes, and yes, thousands of animals who drowned to death inside farms. We will get to a point one day where we won't mend from the next catastrophe to get on with business as usual, but until then, will ignorance continue to be bliss? Will activists continue to be criminalized instead of having the powers that be stop and listen and do something different to match the times we're in? Perhaps now can be that time. We need to do better. And in the grand scheme of all of these big issues, our ask for transparency by installing cameras in farms and adequate enforcement to uphold the existing animal cruelty laws seems so small. Animal farms across BC are not monitored or regulated. There are no government inspections, and during the time of the 2019 protest, There wasn't even an agency who had the authority to do unannounced check-ins on farms without a warrant. But to obtain a warrant, there must be documented evidence of animal abuse. So how could one possibly obtain that footage other than through covert means, by planting hidden cameras? However, when covert footage is recorded, it is considered inadmissible in court due to how the footage was obtained. At least, that is what the BCSPCA claims. And as we heard from Detective Mitchell on the stand, Sean Eccles from the BCSPCA never even looked at the animal cruelty footage that was provided to them and never attempted to recommend charges against Excelsior Hog Farm to Crown Council. But on the contrary, illegally obtained evidence to criminalize activists such as the police violating the scopes of their search warrants on my phone, is admissible. The systems are set up to fail farmed animals in the worst possible ways, and people are desperate for change. We defendants have been calling for the provincial government to implement a more accountable agency to enforce against animal cruelty. Instead of the private charity we have now, the BCSPCA, We are also requesting that the Ministry of Agriculture mandates the installation of CCTV cameras inside all farms and slaughterhouses, like the cameras the Benendikes have on the exterior of their barns. This would create transparency and increase monitoring protections for animals, which would mitigate efforts like ours to obtain that footage through other means. It would also allow documented evidence of criminal animal cruelty to be admissible as evidence in court. So there is a solution beyond just criminalizing people who press record on a camera. After all, no one wants to go in and film this horrific footage. It is traumatic and clearly puts us at risk. I am saddened that those who inflicted criminal animal cruelty were not held responsible for their actions, not even slightly, and they are free to continue abusing animals. Whereas those who exposed this abuse prosecuted and criminalized despite all health and safety precautions in place and measures taken to safeguard against violence we didn't hurt anyone no one was threatened nothing was stolen broken or vandalized the only crime was simply our presence being there recording video footage I understand that the law tends to be very black and white but I feel there must be recognition of nuance in these unique circumstances, especially as our world changes and new information becomes available to us. How else does one protect these animals? Is the solution to stop caring, or go back to writing emails into the abyss, signing petitions that take us nowhere, and holding signs on public roads that go ignored year after year after year Education of the public is a slow process and the animals don't have time. So, Your Justice, I come to you today to express my plea for leniency and help. The potential of a slight interruption to Kelvin Benendike's Sunday chore schedule of inseminating pigs the morning of April 28th, 2019 was not a violent act. It was not harmful. I also recognize that if a slight interruption is what's needed to help shift the needle towards positive change, then it is worth it. Given the words on the back of our protest t-shirts, clearly we like Martin Luther King quotes around here. So I will share another one. He once said that, We who engage in nonviolent direct action are not the creators of tension. We merely bring to the surface the hidden tension that is already alive. Our actions on April 28, 2019, were not the creators of this tension, and sentencing Nick and I will not erase that tension. It already existed long before us and will continue to after us, so long as our society and systems remain complicit and complacent in the suffering of others. Our case has only put a magnifying glass on these issues and shown more people how serious and important they are. Excelsior Hawk Farm is just one farm, in one city, in one province, in one country. The scope and scale and ways in which we abuse animals, which fuels the abuse of humans and this planet is seemingly endless and overwhelming. Nevertheless, I won't be indifferent to the suffering of others or become paralyzed by despair. I will continue to care and to me, Love is an action word. I can spend time doing what you want me to do for a sentence, but I can assure you that it won't impact my spirit and my passion for ending this for animals. Perhaps me saying this comes from a place of being naive as I've never been sentenced to anything before. However, I do recognize that these punishments are meant to break you down and prevent you from doing it again. This process has already tried to do that. But in my heart, I could never be punished for doing the right thing. When I witness these animals firsthand, like the pigs inside Excelsior Hog Farm, it reinforces that even if we face the worst possible sentence, it would pale in comparison to what farmed animals endure. This brings me to the point where I address the Benandikes. I truly want you all to be happy, and I know that you're not. True happiness does not involve hurting other beings. I hope one day you will realize that you don't need to do this. There is another way. I'll admit I have felt anger towards you for your chosen career and what we caught you doing to animals. But even anger can be beautiful. I heard a story of a lady who was working through trauma and had a dead tree in her yard. During her process of anger, she took an ax and chopped down the tree and cut it up into logs, using it that winter in the fireplace of her family's home. If you just set fire to a building because you're enraged, that destroys. But if you channel your anger and use it to warm, to cook, and to light, and even anger can be productive. I have felt anger not because my heart has hardened, but because it has remained soft. And even in the hardest moments, I will continue to try to act and speak from a place of love, as that is what this world is so lacking and is the world we are striving for. I will be the first person to give my support to the Benedicts if they choose to fully transition their animal farm to a plant farm. I will offer resources and guidance if they so wish. They wouldn't be the first farm to do this nor the last. Many animal farms are switching to a more ethical sustainable and profitable plant-based sector such as Michael Reber who was a classic pig farmer just a few years ago but due to the increase in virus outbreaks on farms his pig population collapsed. This pushed Michael to switch up his business model and consider modern alternatives. He is now an organic plant farmer. Or the Barrett family that turned their chicken barns into a mushroom farm. Another way is possible and is lucrative. To my family, thank you for taking the time to listen, learn, and to understand why I needed to do what I did. And with that understanding, then supporting me in my continued efforts. Going against corporate interests and societal norms is isolating and difficult. Not to mention the anguish of having a family member convicted of a so-called crime. This has been hard on all of us, but thank you for standing by me. To my co-defendants, What a journey this has been. This all started with some random people coming together because of our shared concern for animals. I'm so grateful to have ended up with co-defendants that are humble, empathetic, and would never sway from putting the animals at the forefront. You have inspired me with your dedication and professionalism, and I am grateful for everything I've learned from you. I also appreciate the understanding and respectful tone that was infused into our meetings. As we know, this has been years of extensive collaboration while navigating an intensely difficult situation. We have experienced fear, trauma, and extreme disappointment while consistently negotiating new terrain. The experience is unique and will bond us forever. Much of that may be a trauma bond, but if I'm going to go through this with anyone, I'm so grateful it was you. I talked at the beginning about how my mental model of what I ate and how I viewed animals changed from the default of our society. That's how we make this world a better place. Mental models change as our society progresses. At one point in time, the Holocaust was legal. Slavery was legal. Segregation was legal, and then they weren't, because activists told the truth, shone a light, and changed our mental models. Animal agriculture is our current mental model, and it is legal, but as we've seen in the past, our laws are not always a guide for morality. I don't know what the appropriate way to respond to exploitation, abuse, and slaughter is, But when all else fails, I feel it is important to do what we can to bring us closer to a world of less suffering. At the very least, these animals deserve visibility and basic protections. So what do we do? What we are fighting to end seems so obviously immoral, that it's shocking to me that Nick and I are now viewed as criminals in our society and that we even needed to go to such great lengths in order to convince people that what we are doing to animals is wrong. So I cannot allow the words of those who oppose animals crumble me. I cannot allow my physical illnesses to crumble me. And I cannot allow this case to crumble me. If anything will crumble me, it will be the haunting sounds of pigs that echo through my ears. It will be the images of mother pigs who desperately bash against the bars, trying to protect their screaming baby piglets as they are picked up one by one and have their tails and testicles chopped off. It will be the animals who are trucked from farm to slaughterhouse in the sweltering heat for hours on end with no water where many cook to death. What would it say about me as a person to see this suffering and do nothing about it and to allow animal cruelty enforcement to fail farmed animals over and over again. When you witness someone suffering, it asks something of you. Will you react with empathy or apathy? We chose empathy. Your justice sentencing us won't be to right a wrong. It is designed to harden our hearts, to snap us into apathy, So we don't care enough to act on it again. But I can promise you it won't have that effect on me. With the lessons I have learned these past few years, I will adapt my work in ways where I can continue to sustain my activism and try to be effective without interruptions like these that have impacted every aspect of my life. But as scholar Angela Davis once said, I am no longer accepting the things I cannot change. I am changing the things I cannot accept. Whatever that means for me moving forward, I will continue to advocate for animals, particularly at a time that demands the most out of us. This is not the beginning, nor is it the end. I am so grateful for the activists who have come before us and paved the way, and I am grateful for those who will come after us. Your Justice, I acknowledge, again, that the law tends to be black and white. But I also want to acknowledge the intricacies of why we did what we did, and that our goals have only ever been to decrease suffering in this world. And isn't that what this world is so desperately lacking? If the fundamental purpose of sentencing is to protect and maintain a just, peaceful, and safe society, Wouldn't criminalizing those who agree with that purpose and who also strive for the same just, peaceful, and safe society only create a world where that doesn't exist? When we strip away the politics, our goals are the same. I'm speaking from a place of humility and with my whole being, my mind, my heart. I can only hope that your response to all of this can come from a place of your whole being as well.
2: And that was Amy Serrano's closing statement at the August 26th, 2022, um, sentencing last week for Amy Serrano and Nick Schaefer, both who we have featured their closing statements on today's show. Um, Thank you for bringing those to us, Nick and Jen, for your part in doing that, and Amy too, of course. You'll be able to listen to this podcast later on this weekend at animalvoices.org and also at Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well. You've been listening to Animal Voices Radio today on 100.5 FM. Hey, Vancouver Co-op Radio on unceded and ancestral Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam, and Squamish territories in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Stay tuned next for Radio EcoShock with Alex Smith. Thank you so much for listening to Animal Voices today, and remember to be kind to the animals.